Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. Welcome to Bite Into It. We've got Mr. Dan Salmon. Good evening. And I'm Ms. Vanessa Taholka. I don't know why I always like mistering you. Your name is just fun to say. Uh, Generally, I am my full name with all of my friends. Yes. Yeah. I think it's because you're the third and yeah, that just a, ramps you up. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, tonight we um, have a fun show ahead. We'll be speaking to a couple of people about what Minecraft and the Metro Tunnel Project have in common and uh, all sorts of amazing, fun, educational opportunities uh, in that space. Indeed. Are you are you much of a Minecraft craft head, Dan? I'm I'm not big on Minecraft, but I'm big on the Metro Tunnel, so I'm very excited. About I love that. it. I love it. I think we can satisfy so many people with with um with that particular piece. So we'll get to that early Absolutely. tonight. After that, we are going to be pondering the concept that presentation is everything with a couple of experts coming to us from the Comedy Festival, which is where you want your your presentation expertise coming from. Absolutely. They are looking at um, how they use PowerPoint. And make it a secret weapon. Ooh, look, I tell you what, I think we could probably all take a bit of advice on how to make a PowerPoint more engaging. I think we all need that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be taking notes. Absolutely. Possibly in PowerPoint. <laughs> um, the other thing is it's April amnesty at the moment. It's such an important time for the station. It is the only other time of year other than Radiothon where we put the call out and um, and speak to you and let you know that you're part of what we do. And you're a really important part of it. And uh, and we can't really run without your support. So if you're the sort of person who, who listens and enjoys a few shows and has always thought, gee, I'd like to subscribe one day. Tell me more about that. What does that involve? Absolutely. Dan, what would you say to that person? I would, I would say to that person that um, you, you know what we do. You like what we do and we love you for loving us. And, um, yeah, you know... Uh, Actually, one thing I would like to say is that if if you're anything like me, then um, you will either be a subscriber either during Radiothon or during April Amnesty. And so if you're an April Amnesty person, it means that your subscription is up. It's time for you to renew. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it just uh, it's really simple. Just head to rrr.org.au um, and click on, click on that button and uh, show us how much you love us as much as we love you. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's Definitely a good time to do that. Hey, it's also a good time to be co-presenter of Byte's uh, birthday, Mr. Warren Davies. Happy birthday. Happy going birthday out to was. you. We love you, mate. Yeah, hope you're having a brilliant time and uh, that everything's coming up roses for you. Definitely sitting at home celebrating his birthday. Excellent. Listening to us. Excellent. Course. Yes. Can't think of anything better to do with his party night. Definitely, definitely. Hopefully party week, party month. That's all we can Party have. year. Celebrate your birthday all year, I say. We need those sort of happy distractions from what's going on in the news. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm afraid we need to talk about the election. And We so, should. Look, for those who haven't um, decided that they want to smash their head against the television by watching the debate, which is just starting at the moment... Um, We've, we, we want to talk to you about the things that the parties, the respective major parties, are offering in terms of technology and the funding that they are offering for, in sp- specifically the NBN. Now, um, uh, Mark Gregory, who's an academic at RMIT, has written an article uh, analysing um, the, the two major parties' respective uh, NBN promises. And 
Look, it's I mean, it's it's a it's a big article. I would I would uh, encourage you to go and have a listen. But in, in summary, uh, the uh, have a read. Even have a article. read. What did I say? <laughs> a listen. A listen. Because you're in radio. Yeah, world. that's it. We brainwashed you. Well, no, no, let's not go into that. But <laughs> <laughs> but look, have have a read. But in summary, and we did touch on this a, a few weeks ago. The, um, the Labor Party have offered a significant upgrade to fibre to the premises for a lot of the um, uh, connections that are currently hybrid or uh, mixed technologies. So copper to copper to the house. Um, that's uh, looking like it would probably be. Um, I'm scanning the article here, trying to find out how much they're planning on costing that. Maybe it isn't costed. Um, uh, the the Labor Party in November last year, yeah. they they talked about chipping in um, 270 million. Oh no, sorry, that's from the MBN. Yeah, oh, that's no, right. yeah. I so remember that number. Okay, so here we are. So um, I can I can tell you that the coalition has offered uh, four hundred and eighty million to partly fund NBN Co. Uh, doing the job themselves for the seven hundred and fifty million upgrade to the fixed wireless network. Um, it's also going to be um, they're going to be moving some uh, users from the SkyMaster satellite, which is used largely for uh, remote areas of Australia, to to fixed wireless or. Uh, and as well as that, uh, Labor have also committed to um, supporting the planned fixed wireless upgrade, um, which mm. saying that 80% of the 7.1 million Australians living in regional and remote areas will have access to speeds of 100 Mbps bef- yes. or more. Yes. I had read another article which did talk about how much Labor had committed, and it was significantly more, but I do not have that number in front of me. I can just recommend go to the conversation, check out this great article by Mark Gregory, and, um, yeah. and just have a look at the details. Absolutely. In summary, Mark Gregory does say that. That Labor's NVM policy is superior to that of the coalition, um, but yeah. look, it's it, it's probably a bit much of a muchness it's as to what, worth looking at the details yeah. because if you live regionally, if you live in a place that currently doesn't have fibre to the premises, only has fibre to the node, there could be different takes on things that that um, that affect your individual circumstances. Mm. Um, but for the most part, you know, Labor is really talking about. Um, Making the connections much more like the original planned NBN. Yeah, and 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 I, and I think that's something that we've been. I don't want to say banging on about, but we've probably we have been banging on about probably since uh, been enthusiastically in- caring about. Yeah, enthusiastically <laughs> caring about for the last uh, nine, nine years <laughs> of this coalition government. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, something in, else. Yeah. Another local news. Um, we mentioned quite a while ago that uh, last year Telstra had announced that they had a new plan to solve for the volume of of scam and spam mm. uh, SMS messages that were going out in their network. Right. Now, that has just been activated. What they did first is they ran an internal pilot over three months and 2,500 Telstra employees took part in that. And what they were doing is reporting on detecting and blocking um, scam SMS messages. Uh, the people on the pilot uh, did see a reduction, and now that they've they've done that, they've they've been happy to roll it out to their customers. So if you happen to be on that network, we'd be curious about whether um, you've seen a reduction. I personally have one of my phones on their network, and I have seen a reduction in SMS spam, mm. which is great. 
Speaking of which, we do. We do, yeah. So I, I was going to say, um, we do have a text message uh, line here at Triple R now. So if you have uh, noticed, if you if you're a user of uh, any, well, I suppose Telstra specifically, but any any provider, and have noticed a reduction in your uh, spam text messages, send a spam text message to us. Oh four three oh four six six nine eight one zero two seven. I will say that I haven't received any. I haven't received anything from uh, Clive Palmer or the United Australia Party. Yet. I will tell you that uh, I'm getting many more phone calls than I am uh, text messages of spam at yeah. the moment. Actually, I'm, I'm getting a lot of those kind of uh, hello, this, like automated voice, hello, this is Amazon, we are about to. Um, not getting a lot of those, I'm and I do not want to invite them. No. But I'm getting a lot of, hi, I'm James from the Wine Group. James from the Wine Group must be one of the most disliked people in Australia at this point. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, is James from the Wine Group trying to sell you wine? Uh, I no. don't literally think it's James. <laughs> no, probably not. Mm. We've just been joined in studio by a couple of guests who've been very keen to speak to for a while now. We have Cherida Longley, who is the Program Manager of uh, Education at Rail Projects Victoria, and her colleague, Murphy Whitmore, who's in an online communications officer role. Uh, so... To background this a little, Metro Tunnel and the Department of Education set out to build Melbourne in Minecraft, a mini Melbourne, if you will. And now they're at version 2.0, is that correct? That's correct. Excellent. Um, the first thing they decided to do is put a virtual archaeological dig adventure in it and create um, exercises that students could go through. It has grown since then. It's been a few years' worth of development and different experiments and things, and we just needed to hear more because I think we've got rail lovers in our audience, <laughs> we have Minecraft lovers, we've got people who are curious about the Metro Tunnel Project, and you're at this beautiful intersection of all those things. So, Charity, we might throw to you first and if we could get from you a little bit of background. How did this first come to you? What did it sound like when it did? <laughs> Look, it was, a, it was a very happy confluence of things. Um, I was designing an education program to run at our visitor centre in Swanson Street um, for schools to visit for free. And I was talking to people at the Department of Education about what I was up to and I was introduced to the digital learning team there. And this was 2018, so they had just given Minecraft to every public school in Victoria you know, as, as part of a digital learning initiative. But the challenge they had was they also needed to encourage school teachers to use Minecraft in the classroom. You've got to upskill all of the teachers across Victoria to use this technology and get kids to be, um, you know, learning in this way. And the best way to do that, of course, is if you've got really relevant, locally contextualised content. And through a conversation... You know, it was kind of like, yes, we dig things with a metro tunnel and like, we have <laughs> Minecraft. And it's like, well, we could give you the geotech of Melbourne because we have the geotech of Melbourne because we're digging holes in Melbourne. And they're like, really? Well, we can put that into Minecraft. So we're like, well, what does that look like? Um, and how to go. And it was quite remarkable because it came back, if you can imagine, once we dropped this this data into the Minecraft system, it came back as a grayscale Melbourne. Perfect grayscale Melbourne. I, I was When I first saw it, I couldn't believe it. Then we outsourced that to be painted 
right? And it was actually painted by a, a company in Belgium. And I think they use Google Maps. And again, when it came back, I couldn't believe how exactly like Melbourne it looked. So that, that's how it came about. Uh, and the first learning activity we, activity we put in there was around the archaeological dig that we did in Melbourne as part of the early works for our build. So we got the, the activity in Education Edition. They go in there, they dig a section, they find things and they have to work out what their spot originally was. I'm feeling so envious of oh, students these days. What a brilliant experience to be able to have. Incredible. They're like I, 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 I've seen some stills from... I've not been onto the Minecraft representation myself, but I've seen some stills in your promotional material and it's just phenomenal, the accuracy of the stuff. Like looking at Flinders Street Station, you're like, wow, okay, that's, that's bang on. Touching on the archaeological stuff that you're doing, like I'm guessing that, you know, being the Metro Tunnel, we're, we're talking, you know, hundreds of metres underground, potentially, depending on where you're actually doing the representation of. What kind of archaeological stuff is there? Is it, is it, are we talking like early colonial? Are we talking traditional owners? What kind of stuff were you finding and representing in Minecraft? All right. So two of the sites for our stations in the city, Town Hall Station, which is on the corner of Collins Street, and um, State Library Station, which is up near the State Library, are really important sites in terms of being ground zero for European settlement of Melbourne. So behind Young and Jackson's Hotel in there, where we've demolished some buildings, it's pretty much where John Batman built his first buildings, you know, where the, the first settlers established the first girls' school in Victoria. Um, and that's what they were digging into. That's what they went down and, and, and found. Um, and they got all the way down to the foundations of buildings from the 1840s, 1850s in there um, and, and did that work before then commencing the larger piece where, where we need to go down 40 metres to actually dig out the stations themselves. Murphy, I'd love to jump to you. When did you first uh, get a look at working on this project? Um, it was so I came to RPV as an intern to work on the Metro Tunnel, and I remember sort of doing something. I was working in like social media or something like that, and I looked over at uh, Charity's computer and she was playing Minecraft, and I was sort of just absolutely blown away because I thought this is this extremely strange intersection of someone that, uh, as someone that very much likes trains, like a bit of a, a gunzel, if that is like a common term, um, and then someone that's very much into Minecraft and sort of at a time was you know sitting in the back of geography playing Minecraft when I wasn't feeling like class time and then sort of now that has become class time and there's activities around that like it's quite I mean be honest you thought Charity was slacking off at first didn't you (laughs) and and what have you been able to do working on this project what sort of things have you been tasked with um I mean for for the first release of Mini Melbourne um I was sort of very passionate about the concept of I, I knew that people would really want to explore it in depth um, and, and walk around the city and go to all the places that they go to sort of every day. Um, so I was like, we've got to put sort of like fun little like secret like Easter eggs and stuff like that in. So it was sort of like, uh, I believe we designed like F1 cars down near towards like St Kilda Road. We couldn't quite get all the way down there, but a lot of little secrets like on the rooftops, like little gardens and uh, there's koalas buried in trees around and stuff like that. So that was sort of, that was my sort of... Um, uh, but the, the concept I wanted to champion for like the start of the project. So you're less of a communications officer and more of the person bringing the surprise and delight to the mini Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That's and really then, charming. Mm. Nice. Uh, 
So then, you know, you've obviously expanded beyond the archaeological digs. Where did you go from there? So it was always our intention to have, you know, a, an upgrade or a later release of Mini Melbourne with Town Hall Station in it because the section of Melbourne that we have in Minecraft includes Town Hall Station, which, of course, is, you know, one of the big flagship parts of the Metro Tunnel project. And so what we've been working on the last year or so is to put that station into the the Mini Melbourne world, and that's what the new release has. So you can now, in the new version of Mini Melbourne, you can actually go down into Town Hall Station and explore the entire space, all seven entrances and exits, pop up in Flinders Street, etc. So that's been the, the second iteration. I like that because you're starting to look at the range of use cases. Now it's not just about the education use case, it's also about just how the general public can not have to use their imagination about what's going on but can actually jump into a virtual model and, and see what's happening. Were there challenges in trying to get that virtual town hall looking as accurate to the station as you wanted within, you know, the blockiness. For those who haven't used Minecraft before, it's been compared to, like, 3D virtual Lego. Yeah, I mean, I remember us having some very, uh, not tense conversations with engineers, but very, like, that's not the colour of the regions <laughs> and, and stuff like that and sort of, yeah, having to very much... Um, yeah, it, it, and it, it's, it's, I, find it, I found it quite strange because I don't know how you feel about this, but I work quite a lot with like footage on the Metro Tunnel Project. So like trying to see, like comp compare the spaces and stuff like that and then understand how that fits into this very realised model within Minecraft. And I'm trying to think of other things we had to change. We had to change the chandeliers, I believe, and stuff <laughs> like that. Adding little... because, because the Town Hall Station has what's called a trinocular design. So, it's, you know, it's, it's three circular caverns. So, you know, conveying that in Minecraft is is part of the challenge another one of the challenges we had was we we gave um the the, the builders uh the complete CAD drawings as well, the equivalent CAD drawings of town hall station and they dropped them into minecraft and then uh produced all of the minecraft station and then the engineer said yes but you're not allowed to have the back of house Ah, for security. For security mm. reasons, so yes. then we had to strip out all of the back of house. Do we have mole people in Melbourne who, you know, like live in the in the tunnels and things? Well, I mean, we might have the people who kind of, you know, go into the sewers and you know, I love those people, the cave clan. The cave clan, that's I the word I was looking for, yeah. Do, does, does it go into the detail of, like, you know, where the sewers are or where the kind of underground services that are that are not necessarily relevant to Metro Tunnel? Is that is that in Minecraft, represented in Minecraft? No, it's not, it's not in our... Um, Minecraft model, no. But, yeah. I like that we're starting to get out of scope here <laughs> because it does get us to where you decided that um, there was an opportunity to let students get a feeling for what it's like to design a user experience in the station. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, just in terms of yeah, I think the goal from the outset was in some way of helping students think about how they were going to design the space. I think early on we had the concept of um, 
trying to like have students buy resources or something like that and trying to ba- maintain around a financial as well as an accessibility sort Like of the lemonade stand, but with exactly, the metro tunnels. Exactly yes, because like that. That, that game was addictive mm. back in the day. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, and then sort of moving on to, and then thinking about how we could realise that and then when you actually go into the game now, there's sort of uh, like uh, non-player characters that can transport you to other worlds, within, not other worlds, but sort of uh, different station locations around the world and show you a little bit more about uh, what various train stations around the world are using. And, and they really share their expertise with you, yeah, don't they? Absolutely. It's like you meet these these virtual characters and it is a bit like being in, you know, a Nintendo-esque world where mm. you go up to the person with the beard and they're just like, here's this information you need to know and yeah. it's brilliant. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the activity aligns with the Victorian curriculum around um, design thinking and the design process, which, you know, which involves coming up with a problem, a user, ideating different solutions, testing, trialling. So, you know, the Department of Education was really really keen to build something solid that teachers could use within Minecraft that would explore that part of the, the curriculum. So you've got a few different ages of, of students that you've worked towards the curriculum for. Um, what What sort of students are you looking at? For some of these projects? So for this one, for st- it's called Station Ideations, the activity that sits within... Mel- um, That's so educa- cute. <laughs> <laughs> education, I- the Education Edition version. Um, and it's, it's aimed at grades 5, 6, 7 or 7, 8. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 5 to 8. Um, and it, it takes them on a journey through the station space to explore it. As Murphy was saying, they meet people who provide them with examples of amazing station or public space design from around the world to get them thinking. And it also introduces them to six spaces in the station which they, they can choose one of them to design and build what they think should should be in the station. Yeah, and solve problems for users. Solve a problem for a user. And, you know, and it is a properly constructed educational activity where they'll be assessed on how well they have aligned with users' needs, not just sort of building whatever they fancy, although I'm sure some kids will, but actually being able to justify their bills and explain what they've done. So what are some of the most fun... Um projects that you've seen students submit at the moment they're still um doing them vanessa so there's there's actually a competition across victoria um at the moment uh for schools to enter their designs it closes on june the 8th and i'm aware that a lot of schools are holding back and going to be a big run at it at the beginning of term two. Oh, that's exciting so as soon as some kids get back at the start of term two they're going to be doing station ideation as a classroom activity and submitting their entries but I suspect they'll build all sorts of different things. I think, you know, everything from um, guided robots to take you around the station and help you find things. I'm sure that there will be some kids who will put um, play areas within the station. I'm sure they'll <laughs> identify that as something that's grossly missing from stations is things for kids to do. So, yeah, there'll be – I'm really looking forward to seeing what they come up with, actually. Yeah, and yeah. I think perhaps grossly missing from our cities in general, children's <laughs> influence on the design. Yeah. Well, that sounds absolutely tremendous. Um, I I wonder, you know, how have you how have you felt about like the the levels of interest that you're getting from from schools on the education side of the program versus the level of interest you're getting from train lovers and other humans who are just curious, like what's going on behind those walls, what's happening in our city. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I suppose I'd probably more err on the I, I probably focus more on the public side of it, but in terms of um, 
things that I found quite interesting is sort of we sent out the map a little bit early to a few uh, like Gunzel influencers, train influencers on YouTube and that sort of thing and seeing them put together like moving trains in the tunnel and giving their own like personal tours and giving their own spin on what the project will be and stuff like that. It's been it's been very encouraging to sort of see people as passionate about it as I suppose we are. It's sort of I feel like sometimes you forget that and then you see that within yeah, within those communities online and it's really lovely to see. So yeah. It's great. Well, I think it's such an example of what we really can be doing in terms of um, public projects and then bringing people along the journey with you. Uh, journey being particularly apt with your sort of project. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and telling us more about it. And um, yeah, feel free to tweet at us if you've got questions about this and we'll, and we'll tweet out where you can you can look at more. Uh, if, if you are a school kid and you happen to be playing in this part of Minecraft at the moment, we'd love to hear from you on our text line or, you know, with, with parents' permission, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of kids have their first mobile phone the second they hit high school, so uh, we never know. Yeah. Mm. And certainly um, check in at the Metro Tunnel HQ around about July, August this year because we will showcase the better builds, the, the best of the builds. Oh, as part oh of I cannot stuff. wait to We'll have them on video down there, yes. Can't that is a brilliant it. opportunity, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cherida Murphy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you You're so welcome. Thanks. Melbourne's own Triple R. Thanks for being with us this evening in this very important April amnesty period. It's also an important time in Melbourne because the comedy festival is on. You cannot miss it. It is making the city so lively. We're super excited that it's back and in full throttle. Now, we've been joined by a couple of comedians and I've got to say possibly the most well-dressed guests we've ever had in studio on our show. Yep. In only a short time, Sweeney and Ethan have earned a lot of respect for their shows and um, we're particularly interested in the theme of this show. It's called Presentation is Everything, clearly as big old nerds. Yeah. We subscribe to this theory, Dan. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's, it's all about presentation. So we're happy to uh, welcome Sweeney Preston and Ethan Kavanagh to the show. Welcome, guys. Thank you so Thank very you much. So it's lovely to be here. And we have to say, when we're talking about presentations and anything, we're looking at you in studio. You are, the, as Vanessa said, the best-dressed people I've ever seen <laughs> in this studio. Penguin suits Penguin is, suits. I believe, a little, what the yeah. brothers would call it. A little it. offended you didn't get the dress memo, um, <laughs> oh, frankly. So. Well, well, look, did you tie your own bow tie? Uh, it's a clip-on. Anyway, we do each other's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is epic. Um, look... You have built a show where you mentioned that you heavily use PowerPoint in your show, which is our very loose excuse to have you on the technology <laughs> program. <laughs> we just cannot resist having, having some comedians in. But tell us, you know, how important is PowerPoint to you in your show? I would say our, our promise is every joke has a slide <laughs> um, and it is, it is a big old PowerPoint. You can't attach it to an email. It's a big one. Ooh. It's it's massive. Yeah. So I think overall in the show we do. Is it how, how many slides are in the show? Is it nearly four? Nearly four hundred. Yeah, and then some slides have more than one click, like more than one transition. So there's nearly six hundred clicks of a clicker in the whole show. So I mean, honestly, the PowerPoint's the biggest star of the show than we are. <laughs> yeah. We've we've worked ourselves out of a job. I was really. going to say, did you block in the whole thing? It's like, okay, click now, click now, click. Oh, now. some nights we just don't rock up. We just let the PowerPoint. Yeah, run. it's all on autoplay. It's actually a very 
low energy show from us. We don't <laughs> we don't go. Um, we're no. not there. Yeah, we Usually just hit play. we hear about the limits of Excel spreadsheets, but I've never once thought about the limits of a PowerPoint and the fact that you could possibly push it that far. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're not here to talk about limits. We're here to talk about <laughs> possibilities. Real opportunities, guys. Well, well, that's it. Look, it sounds like you're giving a TED talk here. Like, is 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 that the kind of vibe we're going for, or is it is it a bit bit different to that? <laughs> It's very much like uh, we, we've kind of initially, like you said, pushed the PowerPoint as far as it will go. So we start in very familiar territory with, you know, some old tragic um, examples from our long lost email inboxes. So from an old sales and marketing job of mine, um, Sweeney's got some from his university days where he did anthropology. Um, and we've just we've just fixed them right up. We've given them the Sweeney and Ethan showbiz sparkle. And then we kind of launch from there. It's, it's essentially the yassification of Microsoft PowerPoint. <laughs> Oh, uh, this is outrageous. I can't believe how actually relevant your program is. I mean, your show is. Um, when did you first decide to augment your comedy with multimedia? So Ethan had a pre-existing PowerPoint that he used to do. Uh, it's about a, a train station, a regional Victorian train station. And he, he kind of had it a little while ago. And then while I was, uh, I was finishing my last semester at uni last year, I also had to make a PowerPoint for a university assignment. And so then all of a sudden we had two PowerPoints just lying around and we thought, you know, we've already got half a show written here. Let's just like finish Waste it off. Waste not, sort of want not. Absolutely. I've never thought that about a PowerPoint lying around, Dan, have you? Well, look, I mean, the the thing is that in, in my job there's plenty of PowerPoint to be made, but most of the time it's the exact same PowerPoint with a new file name. And so you, you might change one word or two words. I'd be fascinated to see what happens if you were to like go through the archives of your OneDrive or whatever it was and just mash them all into one. And the one thing is about my job is that we all use we use the same template for everything. So it could be mm. it could be a complete um, visually coherent thing, but the content could be completely ridiculous. Where you're talking about you know rocks and then you go to trains yeah we have we have show one uh, show draft uh show new show used this <laughs> we have yeah it's it's all in there yeah. um, and sometimes we just pick you know which one are we going to do tonight it's a real mystery look it, it is no joke that people have an expression and the expression is death by powerpoint you know powerpoint has a shoddy reputation and it's more like you're fighting powerpoint to try and get a good experience for your audience how are you fighting that stereotype how do you how did you possibly go we can overcome death by powerpoint with more powerpoint I think <laughs> it's a really good question. I think what we've like we've start like Ethan said earlier. We started small, we started simple, and then I think because a lot of people over, especially the lockdowns as well, got really good at powerpoints. Like I know a lot, of, even my friendship group, we were like doing silly powerpoints where we'd all like make our top five favorite fruits, and then we'd each like share them over PowerPoint to each other via Zoom and screen share. I think people did get good at powerpoints, and I think the like general PowerPoint skill has actually gotten a lot better over mm. the lockdown downs in Melbourne not from us but I hear yeah. other people are, I hear other people are doing great things I have to say like on that point my dad who you know he's not technically technologically illiterate but he did manage to like scan all of the kids um like books that we own into PowerPoint so that we could do zoom story time with the kids which That's, was kind of mm. cute how do you two feel about copyright infringement? <laughs> not, not, not where I was going. But yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I, I do. I did want to ask. Like you talked about the limitations. What? What? About, what did you find in? Or did you find anything in PowerPoint that you didn't know existed that kind of blew your mind? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff where it's you know the it, it's there's actually quite a um, program that can do a lot of things. Um, mm. 
you will never figure out how to use them um, because they don't want you to. It's no. the secret, my drone business, right? That's very much the the user-friendly interface that is Microsoft PowerPoint. Um, but, yeah, it's been really inter- interesting writing to having a third person on stage with it. And as soon as you start writing these, you know, adapting jokes that already existed for PowerPoint, um, adapting it for PowerPoint, then realising all the things you can do. It's like, oh, well, we can just have an air horn here now if we want to. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many opportunities there are for an air horn. Like, <laughs> as soon as you start looking, you see them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you had any unexpected things arise from your, you know, your elevating of PowerPoint to a third character? It's been pretty relaxed, I'd say. Yeah, it's kind of... There, there is... Look, it is still PowerPoint, so mm. there's no been no big revelations about... It's not know. like a Yoko Ono is going to come in and, like, break up the band by running off with PowerPoint. Well, now, we wouldn't yeah, want to spoil yeah. the well, show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would be surprised. I think one, one thing we definitely have taken out of this is that normally in our shows we would have a tech uh, just on the side operating, you know, the, the hammers and levers and nuts and bolts, but we have no tech for our show because where the tech like we've got everything on on the laptop and so we've essentially we feel really bad it's very anti-labor movement of us but uh we've kind of automated someone out of a job essentially i don't know it's totally punk it's diy aesthetic it's great <laughs> we're the amazon of comedy yeah oh. we're just oh. making people redundant left right and center yeah. it's How all just robots running unions? the show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well i mean actions speak louder than words don't they but um we it's funny though because we have essentially uh put everything in the powerpoint everything that needs to be in the show from the acknowledgement of country at the start of the show to right at the end when we have our final uh, music uh, that we kind of leave the stage to, it is all in the PowerPoint. So all we need to do is just click through and everything's in there for us. It's, 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 it's like having a prompt in front of you without... Well, I suppose that's kind of what people do in PowerPoints anyway. Yeah. Like, do, do, did you have the notes underneath with the lines or have you actually are you, have you memorised it to the point where you don't need the notes? We haven't, yeah, we haven't needed to. Initially there was a couple kind of jotted down in there but the thing about having the PowerPoint, so we've got the, the, the presenter mode screen side of stage. See, these are pros. Yeah. So literally, but this is the first time we've not had to learn a show. Because the set list is on, it's behind you. Like the whole time, your next slide is right in front of you on presenter mode, and I your think current this trend date. could take off. It's perfect. We didn't have like we wrote the show two days. We finished writing the show two days before it opened, and we're like, we don't have to learn anything because all our segues are right there on the screen. And how do you feel about next year's comedy festival having everyone do that exact thing you've just told them? About <laughs> yeah, about? look, um, <laughs> no, we're moving on to bigger and better things next year. It'll be um, next year. It'll be Excel is everything. Oh, yeah. um, the year after that, One Note is everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. Outlook is everything. That'll be a bit of a dry year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but then we'll go retro with publisher is everything. So we've got, <laughs> you know, a real trajectory that should get us to the next ten years or so. Oh, oh, I love this idea. From a from a practical point of view, has it actually enabled you to iterate your show faster because you feel like you're leaning less on memory? So I think one of the good things is that uh, I think this is something that we've all learned from the last two years at least is how much can be done over Zoom. And over phone calls and wirelessly, like when we were making our first show last year, which was a straight stand-up show, we used to be have to be in the same room to rehearse pretty much, um, and that would be like a lot of travelling involved in that. Now we can just like log on and we just screen share, and then we basically just present to each other. It saved a whole lot of runaround time. And like Ethan said, like we literally two days before the show, and we're like, well, I don't know the show, but projector mode knows the show. So have you good. ever delivered the show virtually? No, but I think there's real potential for it to to adapt the show to mm. at, at the very least present it over zoom because all of the jokes are 
visual. Like the biggest laughs in a set. We don't say anything. Projector mm. gets all the bloody attention. Um, it's, it, it, you do have to that resentment of... is starting to to <laughs> ferment. We're, we're essentially waging a war on stage between <laughs> us and and the machine. Who's funnier, really? Dan, but, this well, is right up our alley. How have we not seen yeah. this show yet? I know, I know, but it comes back to that whole thing about like AI and like garbage in, garbage out. It's like <laughs> so, if you, if you like, at the very least, you guys can take some comfort in the machine that you've created is still using the inputs that you've given it. So you can possibly say that it's funnier than you. Yeah, garbage in, garbage out is our writing process, actually. That's there's been up. a lot of garbage in this season. <laughs> not, not quite enough garbage out, but uh, it's garbage dance Hold for on sure. to a lot of garbage, I think yeah. you can take credit for all those laughs. I think, you know, it's always a tool. You know, It's just a tool for you. Uh, we are so grateful for you coming to speak to us this late in the comedy festival, but you still do have some shows happening, including tonight. Tell our audience where they can catch you, when they can catch you, where they can get tickets. What do they have to do if they want part of this amazing PowerPoint action? Uh, so, some, look, some artists might, between uh, two shows on a two-show night, go and have dinner. Maybe they might chill with friends. But we've, we've come here to plug this show. So, we, we, do, we do have another show that we're literally running to after this, which is at 10pm tonight. That one has sold out, unfortunately. That was just a flex. That wasn't a practical plug. Um, <laughs> well done. And, we, and then we've got two more tomorrow. Um, I think there's still tickets. There's still for, a couple of tickets for the 5.30 session. There's still a couple for the 5.30. But we also have two other shows that we're hosting this Friday and Saturday which have some tickets available and that is called the Late Night PowerPoint Comedy Showcase which is us plus five other comedians doing their own PowerPoints. Whoa. See, it's catching on already. Really I think we want to we want to be in the first wave of this. We've got to catch up this comedy <laughs> Early festival. adopters, yeah. Yeah, yeah for it. sure. So That's Fridays it. and Saturdays at 10pm that one is at Trades Hall. Um, and yeah, great lineups every single night doing their own stuff. Such Fantastic. a good time too. Are you, are you terrified that anyone's going to bring that crap Apple version of PowerPoint, whatever it's called? With, that's our door policy, is yeah. You're not, you're not allowed. It. You're actually not allowed to see the show if you've got um, an Apple computer. Oh, I'm I'm yeah, yeah, leave Keynote at the door. Yeah, yeah. that was the one. I, I should have remembered that. And then there's the is it is it um, Prezi the like the web version? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Imagine we've been imagine. burned enough times from Prezi. Oh no, something <laughs> with Canva. Yeah. Oh no, we can't have that. We always feel a lot of guilt bringing people in at dinner time, and when you guys are working so hard, we feel particularly guilty. And all I can say is we just need to throw like Easter eggs at you guys and hope that there's like. Some some energy in here that will keep you going. That's right, right guys. We're doing radio and feeding you on air. Yeah, if you can hear rolling, it is the rolling of oddly shaped, you know, little M&M Easter eggs. This is great. We'll do two hours now, now that we've been <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as there's eggies, like. we'll start. Absolutely. As Go. always, head to the comedyfestival.com.au site to find out more. If you search for presentation, is everything you'll find the show. Will they find the Trades Hall show there as well? Um, yeah, just scroll yeah, just to the bottom of our Search page. PowerPoint. Yeah. yeah. PowerPoint Comedy Festival. You own PowerPoint, PowerPoint this year yeah. on the Comedy Festival site. Yeah. yeah. The lawsuit is coming for That's us. That's it. Until um, everyone else is doing it next year, yeah. which gets us to everybody. So right. it's fine. And then we'll go back to straight stand up. Uh, yeah. And, and get an award. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, don't don't discount those those musical stylings of Casey Benetto. You can always well, go that direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Love it. Sweeney Preston, Ethan Kavanagh, your show is, presentation is everything. It's at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Thanks so much for speaking with us tonight. Thank you so Thank much you for so having much. us on. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform.
We've had so much fun tonight and uh, we don't want to bring the mood down exactly. (laughs) But in Weird News of the Week, we thought we would talk about what happens when a smart home hub goes under. Uh, There's a really interesting article in uh, Ars Technica this week. And there's a company called Insteon, and you might have heard of them back when Apple were championing their smart home services, I think in 2015 maybe. Um, And they're one of those home hub sort of things where they've got an app and then they've got a range of Internet of Things devices that you can have in your house. And, uh, you know, things like digital lights and door sensors. Security, the, you Absolutely. know, turn, turn, turn the fridge on and off, turn the TV on and Humidity sensor off, so you can trigger, you know, your, your heater or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so it seems that obviously when you've got an app that support, that's supporting all of this stuff, you want that app to continue working. You really do. If you've built your house around it, um, and what's happened is the app and the servers are dead. The CEO scrubbed his LinkedIn page. I'm quoting from the article. Uh, and the users are disgruntled, as you would be as if you... your house stops functioning. Well, that's it. If you can't open your blinds or turn your lights on. And this this is kind of my main gripe about the over-technologicalisation of things. And I know that's not a word, but um, <laughs> it's it's like there are certain things that don't need to be technical, like opening your blinds or turning the light on. As nice as it is... If you're if you're going to a single point of failure for these kinds of things, then you know. Dan, I'm super old school. I don't even like electric windows in cars because I just think you know I can fix the physical problems, the mechanical problems. When it gets to electrical, sometimes it's obfuscated and it's a lot harder to get to, mm. especially if these things aren't open source. Absolutely. So if so, if you're sitting at home with your blinds shut and your lights off because you have Insteon on your smart home, um, you. There are, there are, I believe, some ways that you can kind of, uh, I suppose, fix it. Is that right? Well, well, people are saying just be careful. Don't go and try and reset everything because there is a call back to the Insteon servers built into that and that will break everything. So if you've got some things that are still working now, just never update again. Yep. Um, the issues are, you look, they've got a bunch of internet-connected lights, thermostats, plugs, sensors, and, of course, their hub. And so all of those are broken at the moment. On the plus side, you don't need the app to have some of the other things working. Mm-hmm. So some of the physical things you can sort of get working. What they don't have is cross-compatibility with other sorts of hub management yeah. services. So, you know, if you've got some hardware, you might be able to find different ways to plug and play them. Um, but, yeah, in terms of – it's going to be patchy integration. That's what we're hearing at the moment. Um so the app is worthless. <laughs> you know, you, it's where people have spent time building in automations for those connected devices and schedules. Mm. You know, so that's where people are really losing, you know, the effort that they, they put into to this, this tool. So um, that's a bit of a shame. It and, is a shame. And a bit of a, an emerging space for consumer um, protections, I would say. I don't think that this is the last of these that we're going to hear about. No. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, it's, it, you know, prior to the ubiquitous ones like, you know, Google Home or Alexa or whatever it is, mm. there were a lot of these kind of, you know, startup 
style organizations are like, yeah, let's get in on the ground floor with this, um, you know, with the smart home thing, probably with the aim initially of being sold to Amazon or Google when, you know, they were viable. So, um, yeah, just, just um, if you do have a system that is smart home compatible, maybe just have a look and see if it can be reverse engineered to be a little bit more not smart, just in case things go awry. Mm. Hey, um, just picking back up on our first interview this evening where we spoke to um, some people from Rail Projects Victoria. Mm. If you were interested in the Mini Melbourne in Minecraft, you don't just have to be a student accessing it through the educational programs. You can actually look up Mini Melbourne, you know, Metro Tunnel, and go to the site and just download the Mini Melbourne map and play. As you'll find that lots of people online have already done this and made their own modifications and built their own trains and trams and things, and it's pretty sensational. So um, if you're just keen to have a poker around in a play, I, I highly recommend that. Absolutely. You can go down to their hub in the city as well. We've got some events and opportunities we coming up this do. week. So Melbourne Hack 2022, tickets are on available right now through Eventbrite. Um, Melbourne Hack 2022 is the flagship hackathon that will invigorate students to put their hacking skills to the test. Um, students can work in teams of two to four to develop an innovative product that solves a problem within a specified theme as most hackathons are designed to do. It's uh, the weekend of the Friday the 22nd to Sunday the 24th of yeah, April. So this weekend, so this weekend you, yeah. can, um, you, can get, uh, you can still register via a Event bright, and it's free. It's uh, if you were the sort of person who liked the mini metro sort of school projects and you wanted a grown up version, it really is that sort of thing. Uh, it's virtual and in person, but worth checking out early because, as with most most hackathons, you really want to try and pick a role that you might play, and um, yeah. Mm, absolutely. And and following on from our discussion about smart homes, we've got another uh, uh, event, uh, which is Living with Robots at Acme. How do we imagine our day-to-day future when we're living with robots or not living with robots if you have a <laughs> smart home that has crashed? Um, in this, it's a panel discussion. that are so experts on robotics, policy and technologies that impact our everyday life. The panellists will address how the growing promise of robotics can bring the most benefit to people in our everyday lives and beyond. And beyond. And beyond. Our panel includes... Uh, Professor Sarah Pink, uh, the Director of Emerging Technologies Research Lab, uh, Professor Elizabeth Crop, Dean of the Faculty of Engineering, uh, as well as many others. Um, yeah, I was particularly interested to see um, Associate Professor Yolanda Strengers there, uh, Associate Professor of Digital Technology and Society. Um, yeah, they've done some really interesting work in this space. So. Is this supported through Monash University, I believe? I don't know. Mm. It's a it's a really strong panel. Um yeah, so that's it's like they've allocated three hours for it. I'm not sure that's correct, but um, mm, it's great your... to see Acme putting on these sort of events as well. Absolutely. Hey, before we finish, just one last shout out. It is April Amnesty. Um, we are, you know, very very appreciative of all the support, <laughs> particularly over the last couple of years that our subscribers have provided for us. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been a, a tough time for all of us and for those. And unfortunately, it's still a tough time for Triple R. I mean, a lot of our our sponsors have not picked up and bounced back as, as fast as we would hope. Mm. Um, and, yeah, a lot of people are having challenges. Obviously, if you are, you know, we're not asking you for subscriptions at this time, but anyone who is in a place that can help at the moment, it, it's a time where, you know, every every little bit of subscription really is significant and, um, and helps us. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Dan, it's been so good to have guests in person and four of them, you know, in a very COVID-safe way. We've been changing all sorts of hygiene things and airing the room in between guests and <laughs> we've got our Perspex screens up and yet um, it has still felt amazing 
Well, that's it. Like think, thinking about, you know, the last couple of years, we're often, I've been the only person sitting in the studio while everyone's been on the computer. It's just, it's nice just to have people around. It, it is. It, it's, it's been great. And in that spirit, we want to say thank you to our guests this evening, Cherita Longley and Murphy Whitmore from Rail Projects Victoria and Sweeney Preston and Ethan Kavanagh uh, from the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, but also, you know, from, from off their own back doing their own shows. Um, and their show this year is Presentation Is everything. Um, We want to thank our producer, as usual, Elizabeth McCarthy, uh, our podcaster, Matt Hall. Thanks, Dan, for being in studio with me tonight. Thank you, Vanessa, for being in studio with me tonight. We have been bite into it. We'll be back next Wednesday evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts.